Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is September 6, 2016, and it's shaping up to be a toasty day here in south of Fremont, Nebraska. Uh, that's where I am. For those of you who are just joining into the show and learning about the show, I live in Nebraska, which is about in the middle of the United States. Uh, we have a great zoo here. Our weather's a little unpredictable periodically, actually a lot unpredictable. But, you know, it's a pretty cool place to live. It's not very expensive. There's lots of space. So, you know, I can't complain a whole heck of a lot. And I've traveled all over the place and lived in other places. And this isn't so bad, I have to say. I kind of like it. And it's peaceful where I am, especially since I'm in the country. So occasionally I get to see things like, you know, owls and eagles and hawks and, and things like that. So it's pretty – oh, and here coyotes. Those are not peaceful. They're kind of loud at 2 in the morning and 3 in the morning. But in any case, generally it's peaceful. Hey, I have to give a quick shout out to a few people over on Twitter who have been really great about helping me spread the word about my work. Um, I want to thank A. Allen, well, wait, A. All Man Rights. I bet I'm not putting that in there right. And then Reader's Book News and Big Tick HK. Thank you for spreading the word about Deadly Sins. And of course, Reader's Gazette is awesome um, in terms of sharing the information about my books, as is CathBad57, Wendy R3822481. That's a huge string of numbers. Uh, Julie Dravizo, gosh, I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, Ava Shaddown44, Queen Adrena, uh, Dacio. Dacio lover, I guess. Casper Beaumont. That might be Beaumont. See, I just added something in there. Can't help that. Sorry. That would be the French in me. I can't help it. It just comes out. Tim, or no, Tim A. Maria uh, Lacobo. Thank you for tweeting out about Dante. I appreciate it. And those of you who have been tweeting about Hush, I also appreciate that. Um, It's just so great to have people supporting my endeavors. And, you know, I have to tell you this. There's a direct link here. If you're not sure about this. I have Authorgraph who kind of tracks uh, my books and how they're doing in the ranking. I don't check that stuff very often, but they send me emails. I don't know how often they send me an email, but I received an email uh, yesterday or this morning that indicated that one of my books, I think it was Deadly Sins 1, had gone up in the ranking. And that's kind of what they're tracking, up, down, up, down, up, down. And I am convinced, of course, it's because Reader's Gazette is helping me tweet out about my books and all these other people, wonderful people, are retweeting what's being tweeted. So I appreciate that. If any of you are interested in being a guest on the Back Porch Writer Show, just go over to backporchwriter.com and you can schedule to be a guest right here on this program live. And we can chat all about you and tell everybody about your books. So get in touch if that's what you're interested in. I know there's openings um, in October, November, December. So be sure to go check that out. I don't think I opened up anything for 2017 yet. Uh, So you may not be able to schedule that far ahead, but you can certainly schedule to the end of the year. And if you're interested in 2017, you can just send me an an email, actually, from the website, and then I can tell you what we can do from there. 
So anyway, thank you for all of your help. Today, I have a guest named Christina Hogue on the program. And she's an interesting person here because she comes from a journalism background. And that's what she did for years and years and years and years. Um, she wrote nonfiction books. And it turns out the nonfiction books that she wrote, especially one of them, really you'll see that it informed her writing on her fiction side. Uh, because she had a nonfiction book that had to do with uh, gangs and this one particular person who was trying to go back and work with the gangs and change things around a little bit. But I'm going to let her tell more details about that and bring her on right now so that she can. Her two fiction books that she has out right now are Skin of Tattoos and Girl on the Brink. And I was intrigued by this because they were both published in August, so essentially sort of kind of simultaneously, but with two different traditional publishers and they're not huge publishers you know the really big ones but they're still traditionally published and so I thought that was really interesting and wanted to know the process that was behind that so welcome to Back Porch Writer Christina. Hi Corey thanks so much for having me on this morning. I'm so glad you could join me because I know you know it's earlier where you are than it is where I am it's only 930 my time you're a little two hours earlier so I appreciate you hanging with me. That's okay. So, as long as I get my coffee in the morning, I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> See, and I'm the tea one. I, as long as I have my tea, I'm all right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, I mean, journalist for a number of years. Um, I was intrigued because it seems as though some of your journalistic endeavors have taken you in areas where you're working or been around gang members. And so, yeah. tell me a little bit about that experience and what got. Why did you do that? <laughs> You're not the first person to have asked me that. Um, I was always interested, really. It was it was almost the, the nonfiction influencing um, first the, the journalism influencing the fiction because I um, started years ago um, interviewing. My first interview with a gang was actually with a motorcycle gang back in New Jersey. I worked for I was a reporter for a newspaper in um, Trenton, New Jersey, the Trenton Times. And I had to do a story about this motorcycle, quote-unquote, club who were collecting toys to deliver to a local children's hospital. So I, I went across to, to interview them, and I just was sort of found, you know, fascinated by how they lived in this very suburban little house um, and uh, big Harley choppers in the driveway and all the hair and, and whatnot. So it was just sort of an interesting Sort of subculture within the mainstream culture, and then years later, I um, interviewed. I was in El Salvador and interviewed gang members, or the really former gang members who had been deported from Los Angeles to El Salvador, and they were sort of stuck there, um, even though they'd been very. They had gone to El Salvador with their families fleeing the civil war and had, were very small children. They really had no recollection of El Salvador. Some of them couldn't speak Spanish that well. They really had grown up in L.A. And, and um, mm-hmm. anyway, but they weren't U.S. citizens and got later got, uh, you know, into trouble with the law and got deported. So that sort of stayed with me. Um, and then when I was working with the Associated Press, I was covering urban affairs, which included some gang issues, um, obviously L.A. being the gang capital of the of the USA. Uh, And so I met, ended up meeting a guy in South Los Angeles who worked to turn uh, former gang members into sort of community peacekeepers. And they worked to to interrupt the cycle of retaliation that 
drives gang violence. So we ended up collaborating on a book together called Peace in the Hood, working with gang members to end the violence based on his model for um, training not just gang members, but, you know, um, a variety of community members to to be sort of urban peacekeepers. Um, but by that mm-hmm. time, I had already started working the on the, the, the novel about the uh, about gang members in L.A. So it was sort of, they both, it was just more reflective of a general interest in this subject that I ended up writing the novel. And it took many years. I, t- I spent years honing it and honing it, rewriting it, rewriting it. But definitely doing the uh, nonfiction book helped with the fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the book, the fiction book is Skin of Tattoos. So why don't you tell everybody the, the story, the basic story there? Uh, as I said, I was sort of fascinated by these Salvadoran um, guys who got, it was sort of a fish out of water. They were sort of stuck in this limbo. They belonged in neither in one place or in another. So um, I ended up writing the main character of my book, is one of these homeboys, and it's the story of him in L.A. and how he tries to break out of the gang, and it's very difficult, not just physically, but psychologically. If you're um, a gang member, they're all you know. That's your whole world. Mm -hmm. And these -hmm. these really subsist as sort of surrogate families and friends, and it's it's very difficult to break out of that. Um, you know, people do it um, all the time, but it's still, it's a difficult process. So I, I explored that process really, and it's much more, he comes out of prison and then he wants to go straight, um, as most people do. Um, they don't want to go back to prison, but certain, you know, there's a confluence of circumstances. He can't get a good job. Uh, he's never had a job. Um, you know, he's got a criminal record. Um, and then, of course, the gang wants him back because he's, uh, can earn money for them. And then he sees that a former rival of his has now taken over the clica, the, the gang, uh, as the leader, and he is automatically both jealous and wants revenge. And so then he sort of gets drawn back in. He misses his homeboys, is another factor, and his family isn't all that welcoming of him when he comes home. So he ends up getting back into the gang life, and it gets... And he gets mixed up in some pretty nefarious things that end up taking a big toll on him personally, without without giving any spoilers. But that's the, mm-hmm. the basic gist. Mm-hmm. Now that uh, seems like a complete different thing: writing the skin of tattoos and then switching over to girl on the brink. So yes, that was a complete. Tell me a little other, bit about that. Um, yes, girl on the brink is actually a young adult novel. Um, uh, aimed at teen, teen girls, I don't know, 13, 14 to, to 17 or so. The main character is a 17-year-old girl. And she gets, uh, she's doing a summer internship at a newspaper, a community newspaper in New Jersey. And she meets, on an interview, she meets this guy, Kieran, who's very attracted to her. So it's the story of how this romance develops and then how it sort of twists into a very dark romance because as as they as they get involved, Kieran starts showing another side of his personality and it's not an attractive one. And it's really the story of an abusive relationship and how um, the, the red flags of this um, dating violence and, and dating abuse develop because there are very definite patterns to that and very definite red flags. But if you're not trained to 
to know what the red flags are, you mistake them. For example, you know, very somebody being very possessive and very jealous, you can say, oh, well, he really cares about me. That's just a sign that he really cares about me, and so on and so forth. Oh, he's right. very, he isolates, um, uh, Kieran isolates Chloe. You know, she, he doesn't, he says things against her friend. He wants her all to himself. So you could think, oh, he's just really into me, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and things like that. So that's, and it's a story of how she, she gets involved in this and also her story of how she gets out of it um, to show the life on the other side. So it's another, another type of violence, I guess you could say, is the link between the two novels. Completely right. different, but it's another um, exploration of, of violence in our society, which is domestic violence or the intimate part of violence and how she recovers from that, which is a lot more difficult than she anticipates. Right. What made you decide to write Girl on the Brink? That was based on something that had happened to me, very loosely inspired, something that had happened to me. And so I wanted to write this sort of as a cautionary tale. So it's a very personal tale um, that probably if I, if it, I hadn't gone through something similar, I wouldn't have written. Um, but it is, you know, I, I just feel strongly that girls should know from an early age what these red flags are. So they, you know, at any age then, they can spot them as they go through. And I thought the best way to do that was through a novel, um, which really mm-hmm. gets you more emotionally into the whole story and you can see um, how it happens. Right, exactly. And then you know, I think also reading things like that, it, it sort of, even if you had friends or family around you who were trying to tell you, hey, look, that's not what you think it is, and that person's really not all that good for you, they're not healthy for you, you may not want to listen, but you might read this book and go, oh, that sounds familiar, <laughs> and it might right, exactly. help you that way. Exactly. <clears throat> and especially teenagers really aren't good. want to listen, yeah, aren't want to listen to parents or, you know, other people or even friends, you right. know. Um, you know, you're, you're at that age, right. you're set on carving out your own you know everything your own past. yeah exactly exactly and you know everything it's <laughs> the age of 16 so you know, i know uh, i did so I, you know yes, yes so hopefully reading you know a novel like this you'll recognize somebody will recognize themselves in it um and um you know seek help at the back of the book there is a little page of resources um to go to that people can can call, girls can call. Now, you ended up writing, how long did it take you, before I even ask the next question, how long did it take you to write Girl on the Brink? Because you said you spent years writing and refining skin of tattoos. What was the story behind Girl on the Brink? Yeah, so I started that a couple years. That took several years as well, um, about five years, really. And, you know, this is picking it up and putting it down, picking it up, putting it down. Right. Which you kind of need when you're writing fiction, especially a novel, because you get too into it. You need to come back to it with a fresh set of eyes, and then you can spot the things that that need more work. So this really, I started in about 2009, that one, um, that book, um, and just, you know, kept going through revisions and revisions and revisions as I did with the skin of tattoos as well. And at one point I, you know, lost, I just shelved it permanently. Then a, um, another classmate at a writing workshop said, oh, why don't you do that? You know, finish that. That that was a really good story. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went back to it. So it's it's been a long mm-hmm. process with both books. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the, the publishing side of this, because you did end up publishing with two different, 
publishers. Um, one was Martin Brown Publishers, and I think that was for Skin Tattoos, and then uh, Melange, am I pronouncing that mm-hmm. right? Melange Books, yes. but, but through their Fire and Ice for young adults. Mm-hmm. So t- walk us through that process. Well, that was a whole other part. You know, you know, when you finish the novel, it's a whole, you know, journey in of itself. Then becomes the really hard part, which is selling your book. Um, and it, these both were very difficult sells. I mean, I'm, you know, breaking into the publishing world is just extremely difficult. It was far more, I knew it was difficult. It was far more difficult than I had anticipated. Um, with Skin of Tattoos, I ended up getting uh, two agents on it. Uh, well, first, it started life as a young adult novel. It didn't sell. The agent wasn't very good. I wasn't very happy with her. The end of the year contract came, and I didn't renew. And I, by that time, I'd started rewriting it as an adult novel. And I got another agent on it. Um, and she sent it out everywhere, uh, you know, starting with the big publishers down to small publishers. Probably about 40 rejections came in. Nobody knew what to do with it, how to market it. Mm. Um, mm. So finally, I got the book back. Rewrote it again, just trimmed another 10,000 words off it, tightened it, um, and what have you. And I, I sent it out myself. So I ended up finding a publisher that was Martin Brown um, just a few months later after after getting the book back. So that landed. In the meantime, um, I had I sold the book, Girl on the Brink. Again, I couldn't find much reception for it. I don't know if it was the the subject matter or, or what, but uh, I, I couldn't find much reception with agents. So I just started sending it out myself to small publishers that accepted unagented submissions. And uh, finally, I found Melange um, books on that. So it, it's totally coincidentally, they ended up being published at the same in the same month. It was totally bizarre how that ended up because I'd been waiting for both books to sell and to be published and then all of a sudden the wheels started turning at both places at once so um, mm-hmm. they ended up uh, being released just a few within weeks of each other in, in August. So how are you handling the marketing side of that because it's hard enough to market one book but <laughs> now you've got two and they're they're relatively different really yeah they've got that common yeah. theme of the violence but they're very different. Yes, well, that I think actually works because I'm not cannibalizing one one book for the for another. So they're totally different markets, and so that actually works. So I'm just you know sending it out. I've I've just you know tweeting both books, and I've got blog, blog tours um, with separate you know one specializing one YA and one specializing crime fiction. Um, so I'm just yeah, pursuing both um, at, at once. It's it's sort of like giving birth to twins. So in a way, it's double the work, <laughs> but in a way, it's sort of one and a half times the work because you're laying the groundwork for a certain uh, for for one, but you just have to do a little bit of effort to to rope in the other. But um, so it's it seems to be working out. That's all I can say. But mm-hmm. it's, it's it's I know it's kind of an un, an odd situation having both books out at the same time. Well, yeah, because you have to definitely mentally you switch gears from book to book yes. to try and yeah, and then uh, mark those effectively. So, what was it like? I mean, on the traditional publishing side, these two publishers, how much of the marketing, I guess, are they doing versus you? Like a percent, you think? Well, none. Uh, uh, you know, uh, basically zero. Um, you know, it's, it's really down to the to the author these days, and I found that with the nonfiction book as well. I mean, 
I got onto it, and that was a larger independent um, publisher, and I insisted on having a, a phone uh, conversation with the publisher, the in-house marketing person, and basically I said, well, what do you recommend? And basically the thing that she recommended was hire a publisher. <laughs> you know, they don't <laughs> give you a lot to go to go on. Um, they really don't. Uh, not even a tip sheet, not so much of anything. Um, I will say with Melange Books, we have, they set up a, a Facebook page for, for their, all the authors, and we trade, this has been a, an invaluable help, trade um, um, tips, um, you know, posting, make sure we're all on each other's social media sites, uh, tweeting out each other's books, um, liking each other's pages, uh, asking each other questions on the good, our Goodreads page. Uh, so it's, that's really been um, a huge help, just setting up, the, the publisher setting up that Facebook page where authors can interact and ask each other questions and say, hey, can you give my book a like on this, you know, some contest mm-hmm. page or something. It, that's really been, um, and the publisher's role as a facilitator of that has really been great. So that's, I've, I've got a lot from that. Great to hear. So what's next for you? Well, I'm obviously the book marketing is going to occupy, um, you know, I'm trying to do something every day on, on getting on uh, both book, the word on both books out. And I've got two novels to finish. One's a, a detective mystery. Um, I've also got a sequel to The Skin of Cat Tattoos to finish. That's in kind of a, a messy state at the moment. And um, mm-hmm. another novel that I started way back when, and I promised myself I have to finish it. So <laughs> that's on the on the book. So I've, I've got plenty of writing to do. And, um, mm-hmm. and then the second part of the journey is selling it, and then the third part of the journey is, you know, promoting it. So right. Now, aren't you? I thought I read that you're you're a member of a couple of different uh, groups. Uh, Sisters in Crime, I think, was one. Was there another yes. one? Yes, the International uh, Thriller Writers, Sisters in Crime, and I'm also a volunteer mentor with Right Girl, an organization uh, here in Los Angeles that is um, women women writers mentor teenage girls, and um, they have creative writing workshops. Um, all during the school year, and then I was a mentor at a um, an alternative high school in South LA for um, I guess you could call at at risk uh, girls who had not succeeded mm-hmm. in traditional settings, um, high school settings, mm-hmm. and so um, I was there mentoring them, just doing creative writing workshops once a week uh, to get them to to write more, express, use writing as a as a journal, express feelings, that kind of thing. So. The, it was a really interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Well, in doing all those things, I'm sure that's another way to get the word out about your own writing through the organizations yes. anyway, not not the one that you're mentoring, but like the Sisters in Crime and the Thriller Writers one. Certainly a way to yes. get more information out about you. Yes, I, I uh, found I that thank really you. a good... Okay. No, go ahead. You found oh, that a found, good way. Yeah, joining organizations I've found is a really good resource. It, you know, really, it, I, I'd highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in Sisters in Crime for a while, and I, I need to get back to that <laughs> because I haven't gone back back to them in a while. So I need to get back to that. But I find it's great because it's a good networking opportunity. And just mm-hmm. being around other people who do what you do and understand what you do is helpful, you know. Yes. So I, yes. I, I do enjoy it. I want to thank you so much, Christine, for being with me here on Back Porch Writer. 
Well, thanks very much for the opportunity, Corey, and um, I look forward to listening to more writers' experience. Thank you. You have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She could use some reviews over on Amazon, everybody. So I went over there and I looked, and both of her books are available on Amazon. They're probably available several other places. Uh, But we know that Amazon's kind of the key place, right? So go over there, check out her books if you like them, leave her some review love. That's what you can do to help out authors, whether they're independent authors or they're going through a small publisher or a big publisher. You heard her. We're all, it's all up to us to do our own marketing, right? That's really on us no matter what route we take. And so that includes trying to get reviews for books. So if you like, if these sound good and you end up liking them, go leave her some review love. I want to thank you so much for joining me here on Back Porch Writer. Oh, before I let you go, all right, so my classes are going really well. I'm loving um, going, doing the Ed Psych classes. And today I'm starting a class uh, for the next two weeks called The Science of Happiness. Um, and it's through UC Berkeley. If you're interested, you can Google that. It's the science of happiness. I can't wait to see what this is all about. Because, of course, my one of the things I'm saying is positive psychology. So this fits into positive psychology. But I throw that out there for you. I'm having uh, this whole week, I'm having my children look for moments of awe. And we're talking about awe. So I challenge you to do the same. See if you can find moments of awe in your week this week. And if you do, feel free to share them with me at KMillerWrites over on Twitter or at BackPorchWriter over on Twitter and just say, hey, hashtag moments of awe and tell me a little bit about it. Or leave me a message at BackPorchWriter.com in the comments or something like that. I'm also over on Facebook, so you can do it over there. And there's a BackPorchWriter page right there. So thank you for joining me here on BackPorchWriter. Until next time, pull up a chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.